This week on Kettle of Fish, comedian and actor Ember Knight stops by to talk about exploding toilets and political tomato sauce. Welcome to our after show. We call Kettle of Fish the No Politics Laughter Show. It's time for Kettle of Fish. No debates, hate, or arguments allowed on Kettle of Fish. It's like a Willy Wonka psychedelic acid trip. So hooray for Kettle of Fish. Alrighty guys, welcome to Kettle of Fish, the fun, no politics, laughter show where we chat with actors, comedians, artists, scientists, musicians, magicians, and models about life, love, and the creative process. I am your seafaring podcasting captain of the airwaves, Nick the Saucy One Catsaurus, broadcasting to you live, as always, from Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my campaigning, my swamp draining, my political gaming producer, Dolly to my James Madison, the Eleanor to my Franklin Roosevelt, the James Buchanan to my Rufus King, Dee the producer. Cute. Except for the swamp draining. Like, I just, I don't know. Well, maybe. I well, we know. have a swamp out back. We can never uh, drain. We do. We, um, we live the on the mountain. The chickens live in a swamp. And yes, we have a swamp in the yard. What are you going to do? It's the best of both worlds, I suppose. Yes, and um, we had snow twice this week um, because there's no such thing as climate change and anything else is fake news. So Thank God. <laughs> if there was yes. climate change, we would be fucked. Thank God yeah. it's just a Chinese conspiracy. Exactly. Magic weather machine. It's all good. Yes, all right, let's get Fern in here, a girl who is the king of beers, the queen of hearts, but is certainly no princess. Fern, the moist voice. Oh, dude, I'm definitely not a princess, only when I want to be a little bit of a prima donna, but uh, I was I was expecting a joker thrown in there somewhere. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yes. I need to run yeah. these by. Do I need to have you vet these first to make sure I'm giving you the proper introduction? No, actually, this is... It's always the treat of the week when I get on air and I get to see exactly what you're going to say about me. I think it's great. It's, it is normally like always, yeah, I don't think there's ever been a time it hasn't been spot on. But yeah, you guys have a swamp in your backyard. I have a rice paddy. That's what I call my backyard when it rains. Like everything drains towards my garden, which I guess is good because right. like it gets a lot of water and it is raised up so it doesn't and there's dog feces on your cucumbers so that's an added bonus <laughs> yeah it all just kind of floats and it's fertilization you know Damn. i use organic fertilizer but hey if you can get it from the neighbors that's fine <laughs> all right let's dig in here because i want to get started um d tell us who's upcoming on the shows all right. Well, we've got 10 tons of stuff coming up. March 18th, we have from Brainwashing of My Dad, filmmaker Jen Senko is going to be on. Our next musical, Osmosis, is going to be our four-way show with Oakley Doakley, Max Sabbath, Cowabunga Pizza Time, and Abby the Spoon Lady, which is going to be amazing. Uh, then on the 25th of this month, we're going to have Mary Latham from More Good Today, who is the awesome human being traveling around and finding stories of good works and people just being nice to each other because don't you just need some good news sometimes um and then coming up next month we will have on kettle of fish from buffy nicholas brendan aka xander will be joining us which i'm a little excited about um and i know a lot of our fans are too and then we are there's gonna, gonna be have... a lot of shut up nick let um nicholas talk from you yeah isn't it yeah, it's going to be like, Nick, let Nick talk. Gosh. 
Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, and then uh, we've got comedian Hannah Hogan coming on uh, also next month, as well as a bunch of other things that just, there's just too many. Um, yes, lots of good stuff. And then this summer, our usual live listeners will not be able to listen live anymore. We are going to switch things up a little bit. Instead of going live all summer, we are actually going to be putting our summer episodes up on SoundCloud and iTunes and everything else for everyone to discover us finally. Finally. Yes, spontaneous um, episodes. Like we did the summer of fun last year because we travel so fucking much Mm -hmm. during the summer. We're supposed to go up to um, Massachusetts and do some filming with Vermin Supreme. We're supposed to go kind of travel while we're going to Rachel's in May for the wedding. And we're going to be doing some more Misadventures of Saucy episodes. So because of all the travel that we do during the summer, we're off our regular format and... But last summer, summer fun was awesome, dude. Yeah. I would just like write John and be like, "Hey, man, you want to call in today and do a show?" Yeah, and we would just pick some like silly topic that was in the news and talk about that for thirty or forty yes. minutes. Yes, yes, and it's going to be our first cosplay wedding, and I'm so excited to go to this thing. I can't even tell you. Like, I just I don't know. Ah, I'm like, okay, I need my outfit five minutes ago. Yeah, and it's Doctor Who theme, so yes. I'm just gonna. I don't know anything about Doctor Who. I'm just, You're just gonna, gonna Google wear what it. I tell you. Well, yeah. I'm just gonna wear whoever has a goatee, because I'm not shaving uh, my face. Or you can be the human TARDIS, man. There just you be go. like the human TARDIS. I kind of am in real life. Yeah, that would yeah, be yeah. fucking perfect. <laughs> It'll be awesome. Alrighty. So let's get this going. Today, we have a performer and filmmaker who has elements of some of my favorite people on Earth. She's a little bit P.T. Barnum, at least in my opinion, a little bit Alice Cooper, who is my all-time favorite performer, and a splash of Andy Kaufman. And I just, I love this kind of vaudevillian, just surreal type of performance. And finally, after years, we're making this happen. Today, we have... Ember Knight. Ember, what's up? I am so glad the Cosmos has finally put us on air together. We have been fucking talking about this for like two years now doing this. I know it. And you are finally here. How different was the podcast the first time you asked me to be on it? Well, we asked you to be on our Drunken Trivia podcast, so we would just Uh, be drinking and playing trivia, so there was really no format to that. This has somewhat of a format. I can't wait to find out what it is. Well, let's dig in here. Oh, by the way, I don't know if you saw the picture I posted today. I have taken off my socks and thrown them in the fucking garbage to kind of cushion this episode. So there you go. It's going to be a very very good episode. Thank you. Your (laughs) approval means everything to me. I don't move without your approval, Ember. Then you must not move because we never talk. There you go. Yes, I'm pretty (laughs) static. All right, let's talk about your movie, King of LA. Um, some background here. I remember leading up to this, seeing your pictures and posts for months leading up to the release of King of L.A., and I kind of didn't even know what it was when I first started seeing this come across my Facebook feed. And after seeing this unfold and then seeing the release, I got to tell you, man, this was like some brilliant marketing on your part. <laughs> well, interestingly, it was not ever meant to be marketing because I also don't, still don't really know what the project uh-huh. is. Um, it did start as a Facebook post. I was frustrated as per usual about parking tickets and other things that make LA inhumane. And I started posting silly things about what I would do if I were king. People seemed to like that. And then I found out that any member of the public 
can speak to city council every week. So I went to city hall and I told them that I was running. And then I found the public access footage of that. And I put that online and um, that started turning into kind of a game. And then filmmaker Bobby McCoy hit me up and said that he wanted to do a film project about the campaign. And we started writing and we fought and we fought and we wrote and we wrote and we rewrote drafts and um, the writing process probably took six months. Uh, And then we shot the damn thing in a lot of weird illegal ways for free. Bobby was uh, homeless at the time. I was living in a month to month hotel on Skid Row and And then that's the movie. And I don't know if, I mean, the King of LA project isn't necessarily done. I went and spoke at city hall last week. Um, Didn't you read a children's book? I did. I read uh, Ted Cruz by A.A. Milne. Did Ted Cruz send you some hate mail? Like, how dare you steal my shtick? Because, you know, Ted Cruz um, read Green Eggs and Ham in a filibuster Uh to Congress. Do you remember that? Well, that's wonderful. Good for him. That's the best thing Ted Cruz has ever done. It's a good book. Hey, Dee. Probably his reading level as well. Fern and Dee, I think we agree with that. That is the best thing. This is the guy who said his biggest achievement in Congress was stopping things from happening, right, Fern? <laughs> yeah, that dude was like, he's a snake oil salesman. This was a no politics podcast. Yeah, we never <laughs> stick to that. We, we really try, <laughs> but it just bleeds <laughs> in. <laughs> See, that's the bait and switch. That's how we get you. <laughs> we say no politics. evil liberal ways. Uh, Darn. Yeah, no, he's a he's a snake oil salesman, and I saw that, and I was like, yes, that is like brilliant. Just get up there, read some Winnie the Pooh, and that was that was awesome. That was really awesome. Um, yeah, and I noticed there was um some guerrilla filmmaking involved in the movies. Tell me about like there you was evading only the guerrilla filmmaking. Holy, that makes it even better. <laughs> um, well, the truth is that uh, I. I mean, I could still get pretty screwed by bad people for shooting in the club, for shooting up the club with a squirt gun. <laughs> um, they tried to get in touch for days because I just ran out and away, and they don't know that we were filming with GoPros. So that that one is scary. They called many, many times and pretended to be the police and said that they were putting out missing persons and all kinds of shit. Um because strip club owners are terrifying people who should rot in a cell. Uh, so that's a little scary and part of why we don't have the movie online. Oh, um, shit. And also the Beatles song, obviously. We can't use that. <laughs> Man, dude, I didn't realize how involved this was. And I also didn't realize that it started off just as you kind of protesting against parking tickets this is this is even more of a fascinating story than i thought it was going to be going in this is fucking crazy it's kind of i mean it's a true story and a lot of it is the real life footage of those things happening like a lot of it we didn't shoot for the movie we just had the footage because it's true wow so how are the um kind of traveling around and doing the viewings going because i wish i could have seen this live because i can't imagine the energy in that room it's really special um, we were very afraid the first time when we screened it for the premiere, we were both shaking and holding hands and terrified the whole time. Um, but people cheered like three times at the end. They cheered at the shoot up and then they cheered, 
at the beginning of the credits and they cheered at the end of the credits. That's great. It's way wow. more than I could ask for. That's got to be reaffirming. Um, really Fern, cool. I sent you the link for the movie. Give me your synopsis, because this is right in my wheelhouse. I love stuff like this, but you're a little <laughs> bit more um, straight arrow than I am, I think, as far as your taste in movies. Uh, what did you think in the movie, Fern? What was your first take on it? Well, first of all, let me say, I'm not a very artistic person. Like, I, I can cook my ass off. Like, I can't decorate a house. I can't draw a circle. So art is something that I really have to immerse myself in. Like, I don't get things, I think, the way that most people do who are very just in tune like with that. that. No, no, no. Um, actually, what I was going to say is I love the eclectic vibe of this movie. Like, I, I, I'm a very weird person. So there's, there's I mean, it's. There's a lot of symbolism in there. Like one of the things that I drew from that was the symbolism of the chairs when you're at the pitch. Like I totally, that popped out at me immediately. And I was like, look at how much higher his chair is, how much lower her, her chair is. Yeah. Like, it was so like blatant to me. Like that's one of the, th and that's the magic. Because even someone like me who isn't like really artistic, like you really put that magic there. And there, there was the explanation there, but that symbolism really made it very powerful. And I wanted to give you kudos on that because that really impacted me deeply. Um, and, you know, there was so much good – there was, like, a lot of good messages in there. You know, some of your ideas, like partnering, um, you know, kids with older folks. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and it's, you know, in challenging the system and making – the normal of some of these bad things, just not normal anymore. We have to fight against that. And these bad things can't be normal. We can't just turn a blind eye to it. I, I actually got a lot out of this movie. I really did. And it was fun to watch. That's an ideal review. Thank you so much. All right. I want to kind of switch gears here because I had told you when I talked to you um, through messenger the other day that Man, you never stop. And you, I see your stuff come across my Facebook constantly. You are like a fucking creative avalanche of content. <laughs> you are constantly churning out just amazing shit all the time. And me, Fern, and Dee did a five-hour episode at the end of the year. We had 12 different guests. And by the end of it, obviously, it, was, or it wasn't even like a stellar job on my end because I was so burned out. And afterwards, I needed to take like two weeks just to recharge do you ever get burnout? How do you fight creative burnout? Because you're one of the hardest working performers that I personally know. That is so kind of you to say. Um, honestly, I would be doing twice as much if I had any dollars in the world. I do exactly as much as I can possibly do um, from the, you know, from the confines of that nobody pays me for any of it. I have so many ideas. Oh, I know, you know that story. Yeah, I'm in the same albums boat. Albums backed up. I've got shows backed up. I, I would love to have more resources and be able to crank out more stuff, whether it's, you know, it would be music and, and live productions and all kinds of things. Um, it's just about waiting for, you know, I guess, I guess ideally like a, a rich celebrity. <laughs> to write me a grant, you know, because none of these things are made or are, are things that are necessarily good for capitalism or going to turn into a franchise. Uh -huh, or anything. You got they're, that right. they're, they're terrible for, <laughs> they're terrible for business investors. But if other creative minded people who had made it, you know, were willing to write me a small check or something like it could be twice as much stuff. 
maybe three times as much stuff, you know? You hear that out there, listening audience? Yeah, you you definitely <laughs> need. I don't know if you have a Patreon up. I've never seen you post about it, but you should definitely no, put up a Patreon. I don't think it's very stylish. Oh well, now we're just talking <laughs> integrity, right? It feels like it feels like begging. I don't know. I don't want small amounts of money from a bunch of my poor friends. I just want a couple of people who have a lot of it lying around to give me a chunk. Right. So let me ask you this then, because I watch your stuff. Like I said, I'm I'm a kook. I'm kind of bizarre myself, and I totally get what you're doing. What is more important to you as a creative entity? Is it more important to you to be understood and for people to be like, oh, yeah, I get this? Or do you just want to straight up entertain and you don't really care if people get it or not? I don't think it's either of those. I think um, I struggle really hard to make things that feel right and that's a harder job than it sounds just to make a a song or a performance or a video that is not evil um (laughs) is actually very difficult and I want to do it because there are a lot of smart people who are very discouraged right now and they see bullshit and apathy all around them, and it just makes them want to not. Here, here. Yes. And the stupidest people are usually the loudest ones who they don't they don't think very hard about what they're doing, and so they do evil things because just by accident, because they're like, oh, I can do a thing, and it's loud, and it's exciting, and everybody cheers for me, but really they're promoting horrible horrible revenge-based or violence-based or, you know, shock content kind of shit. And uh, so they're the ones who end up the biggest and the loudest and with the most investors and, like, smarter people are just like, how did that get on TV? If I live in a world where that got on TV, then I should just, you know, never open my mouth because the world is terrible. So I try to make stuff that is for those people so that they feel less discouraged and they feel like it can be fun to still try. <laughs> there are people who understand them out there. I understand you. I love you. Please keep trying. Uh, you know, if you wow. feel smart That's and tired, an you're not wrong. You're not alone. <laughs> that is an Don't amazing fucking message, right, Fern? Oh, yeah. And, you know, just because people can do something doesn't mean that they should. And I think if more people subscribe to that mentality of, you know, just because I can do something doesn't mean that I should, at least in a negative way, like just because I'm feeling a certain way doesn't mean I just because I can be horrible to somebody that I should be horrible. But that's what I love about what you do is I can do this and this is positive. And you kind of immerse people into that fun or silly or deep world, depending on you know, which situation it's in, and you bring people outside of their box and say, you know what, it's okay to let myself go a little bit. It's okay to do this. This is actually putting good and happy and entertainment into the world, and that's what they should be doing. You know, you can and you should do that, but you shouldn't be negative. And I, I just love the uh, the way you put yourself out there, and you do expose yourself, and it's such a great thing to watch because it is positive and it is encouraging. And the thing is that it's not, 
it wouldn't be honest to be only positive because things are really hard and terrible right now. <laughs> you know, I think it's important to make stuff that shows how hard it is to stay optimistic because, you know, art or, or music or whatever that is only like, cool, great, everything's great, be happy, be positive. Like, it's just not honest because that's not anyone's actual experience. Everybody's affected by a lot of darkness. Everybody is, you know, deep down, whether they're acknowledging it or not, like really concerned about the future of our entire human race. (laughs) Yeah. Like I think it's important to make stuff that is like, that acknowledges that it's really hard, but, and then says like the struggle to stay silly and to stay interested in each other and to, to try to be happy and make life more worth living. Like it's a worthwhile struggle. It's not easy. Anyone who tells you that it's easy is full of shit. Like, don't, don't worry. You're right. It's really hard, but still you should do it. Yeah. Yeah. But action and reaction, right? Because I used to give to GoFundMes that were like, Hey, my cousin is out of work and needs some money or they've got to get this operation. And since Trump has come on the scene, I've been given exclusively to performers and artists. And I've said on this show for a year and a half, Art has never been more fucking important than it is right now. Having a creative voice has never been more important. So in your mind, are you kind of framing what you're doing as comedy or is that the, or more as activism? I don't know that I care. <laughs> to me, that's not for me to decide. That's for people writing articles who need to decide words of what I'm doing. Like, that's not my problem. Are you okay if people see it as activism? I don't, I don't care. I'm, I'm going to do the same shit. People are going to talk about it in different ways. I can't control that. And so I don't have an opinion on it because it's not, neither of those terms are really inspiring to me. Um, and I don't think either of them, they, they're both kind of more of an aesthetic at this point than, than a job description. Like the idea of being a comedian is a whole bag that's a little bit outdated. And the idea of being an activist also has its own whole bag and I, I well, just say, so you know, I consider <laughs> you as a performer. That's fine. That's cool. Either way. You know, cool I don't me. tag like, and just like when I used to be in a band and I wrote the lyrics and there's, and, and I've had this PT Barnum thing with me for life. When, when I was in a band, we had a blow up doll named Sally Smutchko and we threw fake <laughs> money out in the audience to get rich quick scheme. And I was like, and I, I heard you on a podcast talking about what you do. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of like even Steven. It, when people left our concert, even if they didn't like us, they were going to remember that fucking name because we were so yeah. outrageous on stage. And I think that's what it's about, at least for me as a creator. That's definitely an important component of it. But I also think that you have to have a foundation under that so that they remember it. And 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 then there's a there's a reason, <laughs> you know, because, again, you can you can make really loud stuff that people like and they're not really sure why they like it, but it just filled them with energy. Um, and that is entertainment. Um, but I think that ignores kind of the psychology of be- of watching stuff and consuming pop culture. And we know that it does have a big effect on people, um, what they consume, what they put in their brains. And if we know that, then in making stuff, we have a job. Wow, Fern. Um, to be you held know, accountable. 
you've known me for a long time. You knew me back in the band days. And I used to think of the country, like I used to think Jerry Springer and Mad Magazine. Like I used to think these are like the things that mean a lot to American culture because Mad America. Is awesome. I just want to say really quick on the air that if anybody associated with Mad Magazine ever hears this, please hire me. I want to call them on Mad Magazine. I want to be written up in some way. Please, please, please. It would be a dream come true. Okay, go ahead. Yes, Mad Magazine. We actually had a subscription up till recently to Mad Magazine. And Fern, I used to say, like, Mad Magazine could never come out of, like, fucking Australia or out of the Middle East. It's an, a, truly an American thing, the satire of it. But now I feel like with this Trump component and with the Internet and with the alt-right Pepe the Frog, like, shit has gone so off the rails. Like, it's almost like everything's Jerry Springer now. And it's just too much, uh-huh. at least to me. Well, it used to be like mindless entertainment, right? It used to be something that was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to turn this on. This is what I'm going to expect to see out of this show. But the whole country has kind of turned into Jerry Springer and Mad Magazine because everybody is so emotionally invested in a belief versus logic and the conversations aren't getting started. They're, they're, they're stopping before they start because everybody is so deeply embedded and has their feet in cement that they they so badly want to be right instead of be productive. And you ah. know, positivity is not necessarily just, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, you know, out of a unicorn's ass and glitter. It is about facing those things and getting those conversations started so that you can do the work and move forward and better life for everybody and trying to be hopeful and use your brain, not your emotion. I mean, emotion is, a, is a definitely a component, but when you take those negative emotions and project them into your beliefs and start ostracizing people or becoming really combative, that does negativity begets negativity. You have to be able to validate opinions and hear people and understand where they're coming from so that you can come to some sort of consensus and compromise to try to make things work for the better of everybody. But we have become a country of Jerry Springer. That's an interesting point. I'm from the punk world. And I know that punk was in its heyday during Reagan, and now it's kind of making a comeback. A lot of these old bands like MDC are putting out albums, and they haven't put out albums in years. Do you feel mm-hmm. like you're putting out your best work when times are tough? Or are you putting out like your best work when times are good, and you're kind of free to explore and do what you want? Um, I do not know. I make as much as I can always and sometimes that's zero and sometimes it's something (laughs) i I don't really know how to answer i want to get back for a second though to uh i think that the reason mad magazine was special and had heart before is that it was subversive yes and now that particular style is extremely mainstream and you know i would argue that what's subversive now is um uh, caring. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the, the apathy and, uh, and being ironic is so mainstream that it's kind of over. Um, and that actually what matters now is like friendship and the most punk thing that I can think of to if that's kind of an antiquated term, but you know, the most subversive thing I can think of is, is uh, a group of friends making something cool happen because they care about it and believe in it. And they honestly love each other. 
Holy shit. Yeah, you framed that perfectly. And that goes back to art has never been so important. All right, we only got a couple minutes left. I want to talk about your Ember Night Live show. I have not Yay. seen it yet. But from seeing some of your other stuff on YouTube, I imagine, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that it's heavily interactive with the audience. Am I right or talking out my ass? Um, yes. The last show was very interactive with the audience. Actually, the first show was... They, they've both been really interactive. <laughs> the next one coming up is this Sunday, um, and I'm not going to give away any spoilers on what it's going to be like. Uh, but the first Well, on here we call it an exclusive, not a spoiler. Oh, so you could give away anything you want. <laughs> well, I will say, I'll reveal a little trade secret from the first show. Something that I was very proud of is I built some, I built audience plants into a climactic scene. And I won't say necessarily how I built up to it, but the part that was really fun is that I got to private message a bunch of people who were RSVP'd to the event the night before. And I said, uh, you know, you're RSVP'd Ember's Night. Will you accept the secret mission from the audience? Uh, you know, respond, uh, purple poopy face. And then anyone who responded purple poopy face, I gave them their secret instructions. And their secret instructions were when they came up to pay, they would whisper a code word, and then they would get a banana. And then they had, they got to eat the banana during the show. And then there was a cue. And when they heard that cue, they had to yell no and throw the banana peel on stage. And that was all they knew. I love that. So like 12 people got these instructions and they like got their bananas and ate their bananas during the show. And then a whole plot line developed um, to set them up for the moment when they all stood up, screamed no, and threw banana peels on stage. And so in that way, they all got to be involved in the show. They didn't need to rehearse at all. They just got to do that one thing that you love to do at cult things where you yell something and throw something at the screen. <laughs> um, and then there was, you know, a big surprise where everyone slipped around and fell down on bananas. And it was great. Holy shit. That seems like it opens the door, though, for things to get out of hand. Have you had shows go awry because there was just too much audience participation? Or are it's you pretty good at directing and traffic? The thing is, it's been trial and error. Once in a while, there is a dick who is drunk and who just wants to yell. And that person is going to be a problem at any comedy show. And you always have to be able to stop and deal with a heckler and get rid of them. But I'd say for the most part, audience members, if you treat them well and you respect their involvement um, and you set them up in a way that they can't fail, they usually feel pretty happy to participate. Like if you tell them, I want you to do this exact thing and then everyone will clap for you. Then they know what they have to do. They don't get embarrassed, and they just they get really excited. You know, when you know when you get called out by a performer, but not in a mean way, or you get to be the one who comes up on stage and helps the magician or something. It's just really exciting. Oh so yeah, I'm a doing it in such a way where you don't throw anybody under the bus. Like I think audience participants. I think when comedians like do crowd work where they're mean to one person to get a big laugh, I think that's really hacky. Um, so I, I try not to do. I try not to do anything where the audience participant will look bad. I just set them up to participate in, in a fun and easy way that just makes them feel involved. Well, D, I remember a few years ago, because me and D are together, for anyone out there who doesn't know, we went to a Valentine's Day. We went to a magician dinner, like a theater thing, yes. and they called me on stage, and I had <laughs> the audience rolling so much. I think the magician was actually starting to get a little bit mad, and I actually started pulling <laughs> I started pulling back a little because I didn't want to stomp all over his thing. <laughs> and I mean, it was it was partly he just he just wasn't aware 
that when you let Nick Katsouris do something, he's going to do it. I mean, just do right. it. But yeah, I think yeah, I have right. no I've... five on my volume no. knob. I'm, and I when think I get he... on stage, I'm like 10 all the time. I think he was a little irritated afterwards because I, I tried to tell him about a joke that, or not a joke, but a trick that had kind of, he kind of missed it a little bit, but I was trying to cover for him. Like I, I physically positioned myself in front of lighting so that way oh, nobody could see how that. he messed up. Yeah. And he was, he like <laughs> totally brushed me off and I was like, dude, you, that thing was sticking out. I totally saw, you know, but I, I moved so nobody else could see. <laughs> But I just want you to know, hey, maybe you need to practice that a couple times. No, it was just deaf ears because he, he just he saw you and he was like, nope, that was the guy that tried to steal my show. <laughs> but I but I pulled – it was just natural was charm. And I'm not trying to pat myself on the back. And I fucking started pulling back a little because I was like, okay, I don't want to like steal the spotlight. This is this dude's bread and butter, his fucking show. All right, let's finish up with this. Let's talk about your upcoming album, The Disappointment Yay! Cowboy. Tell me all yes. about it, Ember. What can we expect? Well, I started writing these songs uh, in, oh, 2016, I want to say, maybe even 2015. Um, and I just, I've always been very nervous as a musician because uh, my father is a very good guitar player. My cousins are good musicians. And I never really got confident with an instrument. Let so, me um, interject real quick because I've got to get to this point because that's interesting. How does your family feel about what you're doing? I didn't know you came from a musical family. Oh, I I think they're a little overwhelmed by it, but they'll really support it when they see me making money. <laughs> are they in LA too, or are they somewhere else in they the are. country? They oh, are. Awesome. Um, it's a whole story. I grew up in a family band. Uh, my parents are both musical, but they never did it as a career. Um, it's a whole bag. Uh, but anyway... Um, yeah, I, I wrote, I, I spent the last few years kind of on the side writing these melodies because they were just kind of in me. And then um, I worked up the courage to show them to a couple of people and they said they were really good. And so I was like, Ember, stop being an asshole. Just finish them and <laughs> put them out. And pretty much when I decided to do that, I also got the opportunity to work with live musicians and a gig to perform them live and so it's kind of been crunch time this past month to whip these tracks into shape and uh ember and his orchestra has its first performance next not this next thursday but the following thursday on the 22nd right um, on so now there's a band so how does that <laughs> feel compared to what you usually do do you feel like it's it's a lot more structured so you don't have the same freedom or are you comfortable in that pocket i love directing people and being in a band is so special because you can run each piece until it's the way that you want it. <laughs> and it's so much more like building a castle out of blocks than a live show where so many things can go wrong. Like there's something so compact about rehearsing a band that has been really, really satisfying. And it's every time I leave band practice, I'm just elated all night. Like I can't sleep because I'm so excited. Nice. He just tried out for um, AGT. And I don't think um, America's Got Talent for singing. Oh, and finally, yeah. I've been kind of pushing her. And my friends, we went to karaoke, and all my friends were coming up to me, and they're like, why isn't D doing anything? And I was like, dude, Wee! I've been telling her for fucking years. Don't scream at me. And finally, yeah, yeah. D went and auditioned. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. How'd it go? 
Um, they will start calling people probably this week. The final audition, the video auditions were, um, closed on Friday, I think. And I, I, I hate to sound like I'm tooting my own horn, but it was the best I'd ever done. So <laughs> it, it was, it was like, I'm and like, also if Dean doesn't actually stupid. get on there, they filmed intros where the whole crowd runs up to, um, the building and they filmed it from like 20 different angles. And they said, do something really creative. And I used to do this dance in my band where I would cover my eyes and just kind of mosh around like a maniac. So I did mm-hmm. that all the way to the building, like in 20 yeah. minutes. So look and I'm crazy like, wait until yeah, they see me with my eyes covered, yeah. moshing with D all the way to the fucking building, just to make a travesty <laughs> out of it. Because they were yeah. being so serious about it. All right, we got to wrap up here. Fern, um, you're kind of quiet back yes. I will let you kind of like do the last word and then we'll find out where we can find Ember online. Yeah, I totally want to stay on your music, Ember, because I really loved it. Um, Little World gave me such a great balance between peace and hesticity. Like, if that's a word, I don't even know if that's a word. If it's not a word, it is now. now. It's a word now. It is, absolutely. It's a furnism. But it gave me such a great balance of like, you know, being in your world with everything else going on, but trying to find that spot. Like, that was great. And with Old Yeller, like, I always find things that I'm obsessed with with every guest. And with you, there was a lot. I mean, just I love what you do. Um, But you made me, like, I I heard something in Old Yeller, and I had to actually do research on Darwin's frog. (laughs) I, I was like, wait a second. This little guy swallows and and. 60 days later, little frogs come out. Like, I have to know more about this. That was so wonderful. So I wanted to let you know, you gave me a little edification there because I had to learn about Darwin's frog. But I do love your music, and it's great. I mean, music made you look up science facts is, like, the best compliment ever. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm a researcher. a real science head. (laughs) She's our researcher. She's a science head. And she's the one who keeps me kind of grounded when we're on air. Because when we do political shows, I tend to go way out into the left field. And Fern is kind of like, who does the um, course corrections? Yeah, I'm kind of like the ropes from the hot air balloon that stick to the earth. And Nick just wants to go up, and I'm just like, nope, you got to stay here. You got to stay here. But that was fantastic. I mean, I'm anything from Gustav Holst to uh, System of a Down. You know, I listen to everything, <laughs> and it was it was really cool. It was very original, and I don't even want to say eclectic because I, I don't I don't know maybe a little eclectic, but it was really original, very different, and very very enjoyable. So yeah, keep doing that. That's good. All your comedy is fantastic and the message that you bring is is good. It's it's awesome. Well, there Thank you, you so go. Much. All right, Ember, we've got to get out of here and go back to our normal drudgery of life. But before we go, please tell everybody where we can find you on the interwebs and what you have coming up in the near future. Yay! Okay, you can find me on uh, my Bandcamp, which is uh, just Ember Knight. It's bandcamp.com slash Ember Knight. Um, you can find me on Reddit. I have a subreddit that I made for myself, and I post all my news on it, and that is our Ember Knight. And you can also find me on Instagram at uh, Emburglar. Um, and that is it. And you're welcome to Venmo me at ember Knight any amount of money at any time for any reason. By the way, man, I got to say, you have the best Instagram I've ever seen. I, I guess next to Topher Bro- uh, Brody, who's a guy who takes all his pictures, he looks like his dog. I love his Instagram, too. 
But your Instagram, man, every picture is so compelling and just so cool to look at. It just, God, Thank to be you. inside your fucking head for 24 hours would be amazing. <laughs> I wish I could, like, to sell that Jennifer Lopez movie and travel inside your brain. I'd probably feel quite at home, I think. Wow. Um, you might be really bored because, actually, I spend a lot of time staring at the wall. All righty. Fair enough. We are actually going to end with some old yeller today. Yes. Goodbye, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. You're